Hi, this is George Denho. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5 by 2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For this episode, we're going to be talking with Julie and Gary Bussey as we will be continuing our discussion on 5 by 2 in the home. So uh, Julie and Gary, first of all, thank you for taking the time to, to join us today. To get us started, as we normally do, can you just kind of share a little bit about yourselves? Whoever wants to get started. Yep, I'll get us started. Again, I'm Gary Bussey. Just a little bit about myself. I grew up in Indiana. I've lived pretty much my whole life here, other than a, about a year and a half up in the Chicago area. But uh, both my parents are from Indiana. So Indiana, born and, and raised. Julie and I met 30-some years ago. It's been a long time, and we've been married for 28 years. Where in Indiana? I'm from all over Indiana. So my dad was part of the Cooperative Extension Service. So I was born in Decatur. We lived some in Kentland, lived over in Milan, and then Greensburg, and then kind of settled down in West Lafayette. And then where in the Chicago area? Just outside in Wheeling and Bensonville. I worked for Case IH uh, while I was in college for a, a couple of semesters. So that was a very brief time up there. All right, Julie, your turn. All right. Well, I'm Julie Bessie. I'm the fun half of the, the marriage, I guess. Ha ha. I grew up in Lafayette as well, but Gary likes to tease that I grew up in Lafayette on the wrong side of the river because he grew up in West Lafayette, where there's a major university. So I'm the wrong side of the river instead of the wrong side of the tracks. Ha ha. I spent my whole life in Lafayette. Went to Purdue, have a degree in early childhood education. Worked before we got married and then worked for a couple years before we had kids and then was blessed to be able to stay at home. Then worked at St. Peter's here for about 13 years once our kids got in school. And now I'm kind of a stay-at-home wife and I love it. When you talk about Lafayette and West Lafayette, it. Those of us that don't have Purdue connections don't realize that it's two different cities. Yes, they have their own governments. So West Lafayette, we had our own mayor. We were we were not affiliated with Lafayette. So it's been a con- bone of contention I see for years in your relationship. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the Purdue IU thing with some families. It's the Lafayette West Lafayette with us. Julie, you said you worked here at St. Peter. Just expand upon that a little bit. What did you do here? Yeah, with my early childhood background, I was wanting to get into the classroom and an aid position came open when our son was in third grade and our daughter was in fourth grade. And it was kind of the best of both worlds. I could use my background and my education, but I could still be mom at the end of the day. So I worked in kindergarten with Megan Klein and it was great. And Gary, did you tell us what your job is? I did not. I work for Cummins. I uh, worked for Cummins for about 28 years now. I graduated from Purdue in agricultural engineering and started out in engineering and currently I'm working in quality for Cummins. Tell us about your kids. Neither one of you, you well, Julie, you alluded to them, but neither one of you actually talked about your kids because you're empty nesters now, right? We are. We are. Um, it's fun. We love being empty nesters. People had asked us, you know, are you sad? Are you sad? And, and we are. We miss our kids, but we have a great relationship with them. And I'll be honest, I talk to both of them pretty much every day. And I love that. We have a daughter, Lindsay, who is married to Dylan and they live in Phoenix, Arizona. Lindsay's 27. And Mitchell is DCE, our Director of Christian Education in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he'll be 25 next week. And what does Lindsay do? She's a pharmacist. As you've come to love Columbus, I'm guessing that Cummins brought you to Columbus, but you've stayed in Columbus. You've had probably opportunities to move with Cummins, no? 
Yeah, there's been opportunities along the way, but we've been close to home here, close to relatives. Both of my parents are from Indiana, and um, we actually moved them down to Columbus back in the 2004 time frame. And so we had family here. That was uh, We had roots here, so we weren't really looking to go anywhere else. So you called West Lafayette and Lafayette, where you grew up, is this home now? Is Columbus home? Yeah, this we consider Columbus home now. Yes. I mean, we've been here for for so long. It's just we ha- we have the roots here now, and uh, really can't see us moving anywhere else other than probably getting closer to our kids at some point. Well, and that becomes the thing as you get close to retirement, and your kids are at various spots. We've kind of talked about that too, and and that's one of the reasons that we would say, well, Columbus is centrally located right now, but who knows when everybody's into the next phase of their lives too. Let's uh, get into our topic for today, and we're talking about the five-by-two discipleship in the home. And just for those that have not been following us, just to review the five-by-two, when we talk about five-by-two discipleship, we're talking about the tools which God has given to us to nurture and grow our faith. And we would talk about the five things or disciplines in two areas of our life. Those five things would be prayer, scripture reading, meaningful conversation, blessing others, and worship. And the two areas are in our personal life or with our immediate family, and then out with our group of believers or even into the world. And so as we look at this, our church tries to, uh, you know, put those tools and things in place so that you can use that experience, those five-by-two disciplines in a corporate setting. But we have found more and more, and we were talking about this earlier before the show, that the impact for future generations really starts at home. And so what we wanted to do today, Gary and Julie, with you is to have you kind of explore what you had in your family of origin, as well as what you did with your kids to nurture faith growth. I don't care who starts, one of you start. Can you tell us a little bit about your faith journey to this point? I'll start. I grew up in a home that I guess our kids like to call it um, Creaster, where we were Christmas and Easter, and that was pretty much it. I remember my grandparents were farmers and lived about an hour away, so when we would go to Grandma and Grandpa's for the weekend, it was expected that we would go to church with them. But other than that, my parents didn't really go to traditionally or regularly there was a stint in co- or excuse me when I was in high school that we did they actually joined a church and became members but then I would say it was a year at most so it was something that I remember doing I always had a faith in God and knew who he was but didn't really have a role model to to look to to help me get to that next step like to really dig in and start reading the Bible and figure out who God was and and how he was always with me and protecting me. I just didn't have that. Then when Gary and I got married, he'll get into more of like his life, but it was something that we talked a lot about and was very important to both of us that we wanted to start that journey together. When we got married, we moved here to Columbus. And I would say within the first month or so of getting married, it was something that we started doing is trying to find a church. And St. Peter's is where we landed. Do you attribute your increased interest in developing your faith life to Gary or to the St. Peter's congregation to a combination of those things? Were you ready in your life? I think I was ready in my life. And I knew that it was very important to Gary growing up in the church. And I just felt like that was something calling me inside that we just needed to do. Gary? And so when I was growing up, uh, my dad came from a very strong German Lutheran background, and he grew up uh, in northern Indiana and went to a small church in Hannah, Indiana. And then my mom, she was kind of from a mixed family, so her mom was 
kind of Methodist-ish, I'll say. And then her dad was a Jehovah's Witness. So kind of a, a strange uh, combination there between the, the two of them. But we were grown up, growing up as Lutherans, and we were taught kind of the, I'll say, the, the structure around being a Lutheran. So you said your prayers. Most of the time it was standard types of prayers that we had, whether it was bedtime, whether it was before a meal. And it was kind of the what we had was, was not really a, I'll say, a deep, meaningful prayer relationship with, with God at that time, but it was kind of that structure that was put into us. And so everything was kind of around that, I'll say, more methodical type of church as we were growing up, but it was it was ingrained in us it's because this is what you do as Lutherans. And it wasn't until I probably got um, maybe out of college and started exploring a little bit more. I was down here at, at, uh, in Columbus for two years before Julie and I got married and kind of hopped around a little bit, got some friends that uh, you know went to St. Peter's and, and other churches and, and started to develop a little bit more. But it wasn't until we got married that I, I started exploring, I'd say, a, a deeper side of my faith that I didn't really have growing up. So I had the structure in place, but I didn't really have the that uh, more of the feeling side of things, I'll say, f- from a, a relationship with Christ in my heart. But you kind of had a searching in that early adulthood. You were kind of searching for something more than yeah. just structure. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll get into it with our son, with Mitchell, here in a little bit. But that really also kind of spurred us along, uh, at least in my case, it, stir- it spurred me along for my faith life You know, af- after our son was born. You've kind of alluded to it, but Gary, you talked about structure Julie, you talked about periodic worship. Did your parents talk about faith at all in the home? Mine never did. Uh, well, let me take that back. My dad, because my grandmother was so involved in her church, she would be what my dad would call a Bible thumper. And it was shoved down his throat, and he had just had enough. And that was hard to hear, even though I didn't really understand what was going on. I knew that that wasn't right. And I knew that there was something more and that God was loving. But like I said, I just didn't have anybody to take me to that next step to figure that out. And I wasn't strong enough. I was really pretty shy growing up. And so I didn't go explore that on my own. And Gary, you talked about the structure. Was faith actually talked about as as an entity? The the talking was probably not there. It was more around actions and, and showing really the integrity showing how you help people, showing how you step in when it's needed. So it was really more my parents would be from an action-oriented standpoint rather than talking about it. And they wouldn't say, this is why we're helping somebody out. It was just kind of always there. So you caught some of that Christian responsibility and some of the the outward actions, but uh, it seems like they weren't if they and I, I got to be careful saying that they probably had faith, but they didn't express it to you as more than the outward action. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Yeah, and it, it, exactly right. It's not that they didn't have faith, but we did, we wouldn't sit down and have a devotional or at night, or we wouldn't sit down and and say this is how God intervened in our our day, or you know even talk about it. It was more of our day, what we did, and then I'd say going to church on Sunday was tying it back to that. And it wasn't that we stepped out of it during the week. Um, my parents didn't step out of it. They were just showing it more, but not saying why. Not saying why. That. Yeah, there was a time period within our denomination, especially. And I, Gary, I'm pulling this up because you talked about the Lutheran practices. We believed that faith was a private thing, 
rather than a personal thing. It's a personal thing. You've got to have the faith that your parents can't believe for you. But we confuse that personal with private. And so a lot of times, I think my parents did not necessarily speak directly about faith, but they did live it, and they showed me through their example. Now, on the other hand, Julie, you didn't hear much about them talking about it. Did your family teach you morals and, and values? Oh, definitely. Morals and values, respect others. And they definitely, like, looking back on it and, like, listening to you and Gary talk, I mean, my parents did that. I mean, they helped others. They were always willing to, you know, fix a meal for somebody or if somebody needed yard work done or, you know, just those little things that we do just because we do them, they did. And so I you know, I did learn a lot from them by their examples in that way. It just wasn't reflected back to church. Now, we've already started bringing that in. The fact that you were raised that way when you got to your children, did you keep the same mold or did you try new things? What were you trying to accomplish as you brought children into this faith world that we're in now? We definitely tried. We br- wanted to break the mold. <laughs> we wanted to, to do things our way. Going to church was something that was important to us. It wasn't something that we but we had to do and we didn't want our children to feel like it was a chore. It was just, this is what we do and we want to learn more about God and we want to be able to share that with others. I think when it came time for our kids to, to go to school though, that was something that we both went to public school and we talked and we were in a small group with a lot of very long tradition St. Peter's families and the thought of them going to public school like probably never crossed their mind but for us it did then we were kind of like well let's just try it and see what happens and we are so glad we did it was definitely the right choice because with me being so new to the church I learned a lot with them and I think that helped our family grow then because we were all learning it, and me especially, like for the first time with them. But you didn't rely upon just the school to raise your kids in the No, faith. absolutely not. It was a joint effort. I guess kind of jumping ahead a little bit. We prayed together with our children all the time. We loved them and encouraged them. The, the teachers, when they would come home, and they would be something like, well, Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. And it's like, well, wait, let's stop. Let's talk through this. There's always another side to it. And we're going to work together and figure out what's going on. So you were involved in all aspects of your kid's life as they had an emotional thing or a, a, a educational thing. You walk through it. You talk through it. Because you were looking for a Christian response? I don't know if it was looking for one, but it was to kind of ingrain that in them. And that, again, coming back from my background and having that structure, it was more of this is why. So so not only this is how that response is, but why you have that response. And that was important for us to to get into them. That sounds bad, but get into them um, so that they they had that foundation and we wanted them to have that strong foundation. And we were, we were talking the other day that we, as they got older, we would have not debates, but we would, we would get into the Bible deep. We, there would be something that happened or some question that came up and why is this happening or where, where does that come from? And, and we would have time within the, the family room or around the dinner table and we would get into those deeper discussions and, and get the Bible out and, and it would lead us maybe maybe to an answer or maybe to a different answer than what we were originally thinking. But that, that was very important to us to have that, not only the, the quantity of time, but that quality of time 
wherever we are at in, our, in the, our kids' lives. Now, you alluded to something earlier, and I know the story, and many of our listeners probably do too, but there was a special incident with your son. Who wants to tell us about that? All right, so I'll, I'll start out, and I'm sure Julie will fill in the gaps because she's uh, more of the painter than what I am. I'm more of the, the fact-oriented. So um, our son Mitchell was born. We were actually living up in Lafayette at the time because we went up there for about uh, almost three years and worked for Caterpillar up there. And, and we were living in Lafayette, and uh, Mitchell was born, and, and he actually had a tumor that uh, had grown so large, and while he was uh, still in Julie's womb, it had grown so large that it had pushed his eye out of the socket. Of course, that was a surprise to us when he was born. Um, we went to uh, Riley to understand what was going on. That was that, was that night, so Julie had just given birth. Uh, Mitchell went to Riley, and um, within the next uh, 24 to 48 hours, we did find out that it was a malignant tumor. It was called a rhabdoid tumor which is very rare. Usually it starts in the kidney. And this one had, uh, had gone to his eye. It didn't start in his kidney. It just uh, had propagated within his eye. And it had grown so big, of course, that it had pushed the eye out of the socket. So we, we figured out what it was, got a, a course of action in place. That that was really our life for the next, uh, I'll say, year, couple of years, just in terms of seeing how we could get him through that. The, the odds of him um, actually surviving that were, were very low. They, they gave us uh, very low odds uh, in terms of him surviving through that. So that, uh, as we're talking through that, um, you know, that kind of shook my faith, actually. At that point, uh, Julie and I had been married for three years, four years at that point. And, you know, Lindsay was a couple years old, not quite 20 months old. Yeah. And so we were developing kind of our family and our our approach to things. And this kind of shook my faith at the time. And it's like, how, God, how, how could you let something like that happen? And, you know, going through that actually strengthened it once we kind of came out the other side of all that. Because it, it really ingrained in me, not that I didn't know it, but it ingrained in me how important family is. And it, it's, you know, we, we even talked about it to this day that, that we wanted to live our lives for our kids. And, and not that they were the only thing in our lives, but they are a, a huge part of our lives. And we wanted them to know throughout their life that they would be loved unconditionally and that they were loved not only by us, but by God as well. Mm -hmm. Those kind of incidents like that draw some people closer to God, and some people get pushed away. What do you attribute to growing closer to God in that whole incident? Um, we, at that point, we had um, found a church in, in Lafayette, and we were part of a small group, and we didn't know them real well, but they were there some, um, and then some friends that I um, had gone to high school with, kind of had a play group, kind of leaned in on them a little bit, and our parents. And when we moved to Lafayette, we were thinking of Gary's parents. Their health wasn't the best at that point, and we were thinking, you know, God was calling us up there so we could spend more time with them. They could know their grandkids. Little did we know we were going to need their help more than the other way around. So I think we just... I don't know, we just leaned on each other and leaned on the, the people that were around us. I mean, there it's it's hard, like, for a while I could really tell you the stories very detailed, and I think so much time has passed now that, you know, all it heals, God heals all of our wounds, and so he just helps us remember certain things and not everything. So you said Mitchell's 25 now? 
Mm-hmm. Has he had any ongoing effects or any recurrence? He has. Um, so he started chemo at six days. And Riley Hospital had never done chemo on a baby that young. So it was a week-to-week process. And he did it for six months. And I think it was between month three and four that they just decided or determined, the better word, um, that he had some kidney issues. And that was from the chemotherapy. Jumping ahead, he's he does have chronic kidney disease. He's on some medication for that. And he has some high blood pressure that's related to the kidney disease. And he has diabetes as well, but it's all managed and under control with medications. As you talk to him, obviously you've walked alongside of him for many years now, and I may be jumping ahead, but like we're into this story now. So (laughs) there are probably times, you know, uh, those of us that are doing the two-year reading plan, we're on the, the book of Job. And I'm sure there's a lot of times he's probably sitting around and going, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why are these things going on? How do you coach a kid through that? I don't know. We just, he's never really asked. We've just always been very upfront and talked about it. it. He has a prosthetic eyepiece in his left eye. So kids are very curious. And so kids would ask him, you know, hey, what's wrong with your eye? Why does, does it look different? And we just always taught him that, you know, God made you have one eye that worked and one eye that didn't. And he had me have blue eyes. Dad has brown eyes. We're all different, but we're all loved by God. And so we never tried to hide it or make we never wanted him to feel bad or shameful about it so I think he's just been positive he hasn't really shared with us ever a time that he has been really upset about it that I can think of well and I'm sure there's I think Gary you said to yourself there was times you wondered well God why'd you let this happen to us but I, I, you probably never pushed that to him. No, that no. Was, that wasn't pushed to him. And, and in fact, I, I think it was almost the opposite, right? It's it's this is something we have to do. This is this is the way that you were made, and we're gonna we're gonna get our we're gonna go through it together. And you know, as Julie said, he has a, a prosthetic eyepiece. The other thing that we also did damage to his teeth because the teeth are forming um, early on in life, so the chemo uh, attacked that. So he he does have almost a million dollar smile now since he's had the the implants and, and all of that that has gone in. And that's one of those things. He's in full-time church work now, and it's amazing how God uses those things in your past when you're in church work that you can then help somebody else along. You know, and you you probably have noticed that even not in full-time church work. I think, uh, did you mention to me one time that you, got, you went and did some kind of a talk for medical students? Yeah. Um, so our daughter, Lindsay, is a pharmacist, and she graduated from Purdue. And one of her classes later on in her studies was an elective with oncology. And at the end of the course, she was telling Gary and I about it. And she's like, you know, it's always from the medical professional's point of view, whether it be the doctor or the pharmacist. She goes, I really think it would be neat that a parent or a, a caretaker could provide their insights to it. She goes, do you think you and dad would be willing to do it? And so Gary and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, um, uh, yeah, I guess. And so the first time we did it was during COVID. So we were able to do it from Gary's office and just do it via Zoom. And then this last winter, we actually did it. We drove up to campus and had, I think there were eight students enrolled in the class and got to tell Mitchell's story through the parents' perspective. And it was really, it was 
it was neat to see see them and their reactions. We're so ingrained in this story. We've all, we're almost out of time, and uh, you probably prepared a couple answers. We gave you some questions ahead of time to think about, but I'm going to rephrase probably the last two questions in a different way. You've encouraged your kids throughout their life as in their faith journey. It's encouraging them has probably helped you in your faith journey. If you were to give just three simple tips to other parents that want their children to love Jesus and to follow Jesus. I think the first one would make your kids a priority. Put down your phones, turn off your TVs. And I know that sounds preachy, but your kids can tell when you're truly focused on them and when you're not make them a priority. Gary, you want to throw one in? Kind of building on that, our kids played played sports throughout school. And so that was a big part of their lives. But we were also involved with that. So whether it was driving to practice games, um, I coached. uh, Julie was team mom on a lot of the teams. Um, It was us still spending time together and being able to talk about things, even, even in the car or on the drive to wherever we were going. But it was still us together and spending that time together and focusing on what was important it wasn't winning the game it wasn't it was always doing your best having that integrity treating people with respect and having god at the at the center of it but you actually use the car time for a discussion time not everybody on their phones or listening to the yeah and another time would be um dinner time our kids were very involved in sports. They did some travel things, and they played here locally. But we always made time for dinner around the dinner table. Our kids didn't have phones till later, but it was just a time that we could really get a lot out of them and have that communication. And like Gary referred to earlier, sometimes those conversations that would come up at school and that they didn't understand something about something that happened, we would pull out the Bible, and the dinner table is after dinner a lot of the times that that happened now i know you didn't say it and you probably didn't even think about it but you always worked on your own marriage and your relationship with each other as well as the kids correct yeah absolutely and that's a that's a great point because that was something that we wanted to have was that strong foundation so that they we could not only be mentors in that area but it also helped us be to be better parents along the way absolutely we have done several small groups together just building on marriage and relationships and and nurturing your faith as well as your relationship with each other absolutely i know that dustin's been listening intently and he's going to draw out what you unintentionally did to support the grow five by two discipleship plan yeah no i just i've been listening and you know such great discussion i want to make sure i stayed out of the way of it because you guys did a great job but kind of one of my roles is yeah tying it all back together as our guests are talking about how does it fit five by two and it was just like all over the places as you guys were talking which is really cool to see but I think um, some things that stood out to me you know Gary you talked about the why I think that's so important for our younger people is just that we we help explain what is the why because that's and that's a good question I think that's what our you know a lot of younger people are asking and so we need to be able to give that and you know in our discipleship groups we're really trying to talk about you know, the, the gospel and how does it apply to everything in life? And you guys kind of talked about that in different ways, in different wording, but it really came down to how does the gospel apply to, you know, the situations even interacting as Julie talked about with, with the kids' teachers and how do we respond and, and those types of things. So um, I thought that was all, you know, just really, really important points. But you guys mentioned throughout prayer and, and Bible study and scripture and, you know, towards the end here um, in the, the car rides or at supper, 
those meaningful conversations. And those are, are so key and so important, you know, as making the kids, making our kids priority. It's, it's having those meaningful conversations, but you both talked about with seeing your parents bless others as when you were growing up and how impactful and that, that stuck with you. So I think those were all important things. And as you're also, were talking that, you know, the vision 28 kind of came to mind too, of the resilient faith of, you know, like those times we're going through things and having our faith to um, help us get through and, and, and try to rely on God to get us through um, those situations and the compelling community of the people to be able to, to lean on and, and to help us walk alongside us to get through it. So yeah, you guys, like I said, as you guys, as you guys were talking, there was just all sorts of things coming to mind to be able to kind of tie it together. So uh, George, any, uh, I guess, any other lasting thoughts here? Yeah, uh, the one thing that, that kind of, I brought it up when you were up in Lafayette, you tried to be around family and friends. And we have a lot of folks because of Cummins who have been transplanted here. And so it's very key that we have those places within our church that you can find adoptive family, if you will. Um, you know, we call them Columbus grandparents. Uh, when we were at our last church, you know, we were up in uh, Illinois and grandparents were spread far apart we had a, an older couple in our congregation that just kind of adopted our kids as grandparents and so uh, for now as us empty nesters are looking around how can we serve as those surrogate grandparents how can we in groups support our family and friends in the church who are going through tough times and so again there's a nice pitch for groups for us well uh, julie and gary thank you so much for uh taking the time to join us and to just be able to, to to share your stories and kind of just you know kind of share a little bit of how, you know, how God has worked in your lives and your kids' lives. So we greatly appreciate you taking the time. So, and we just look forward to continuing these discussions and talking about five by two and uh, all the different discipleship topics that we have to look forward to in the future. Hope you keep listening. Now go out and serve God and others. 